and speak to each of us here in the quietness of the heart. Amen. So I am he uh, here today, as I mentioned before, I haven't preached in a couple of weeks. We had Children's Sabbath two weeks ago, and last week I had taken some vacation time. And, you know, any time a preacher, at least in my experience and my colleagues that I've talked to, when we get, when we come back from vacation, it feels like when you come back to school from summer break and you feel like you have to give a report of what you did. Like, you remember, some of you when you were in school, you had to report on what you did on your summer vacation. Now, boy, uh, young people among us today, I know you have reading that you have to do this summer, so I guess when you go back to school, you talk more about the books you read for, you know, for your upcoming year as much as what you did. Um, but one of the things, one of the reasons that I think that happens, and I don't think it's just with pastors, I think it's, it's with any of us when we get away from our routine, when we get out of the ruts that we so easily fall into, we see God in new ways and we encounter God in different places by getting out of the way we always do things in our, day, in our daily and weekly and monthly lives. And what we and you know in this service today, every time we gather in worship, we engage in really rich rituals. We have we have engaged in a call to worship. We have sung together. We have given glory to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have stood. We have sat. We have um, we have prayed together. All of those rituals are forming us spiritually, whether we know it or not. They are forming our hearts like clay in the potter's hand. These rituals, this worship that we engage in is forming us and deepening our relationship with God. And we may not see it today, but it is something that is happening. Now, ritual, if we're not careful, can become a rut where we're just going through the motions. Let's just do this. Let's get it. Let's get this done. This is what we do in worship. This is what we do in prayer. We open our Bible. We read. We come to Sunday school. And if you're just going through the motions, sometimes, let me just say this, we're going through seasons, especially if you're in a season of grief, where all you can do is go through the motions. That's okay. Keep on showing up. Keep on going through them. But for some of us, what we have to guard against is the spirit of apathy. Apathy can so easily slip in when we're just doing the same thing over and over and we forget about the power that is there. And there's something about when we have the privilege or we have the opportunity, whether it's to take a day or two off or a week away or maybe even just an hour in the day, a lunch break um, in, your, in your busy schedule, when we have an opportunity to step away from business as usual, then we have, it's like we get fresh vision. We get eyes that are seeing things differently, ears that can hear differently. And that is what so often happens when we get out of our routine. And so I, I say all that to, I share all that with you today to say that's where I'm coming from today. Having been on a week, um, on a week of just a lot of journeys by foot and in spirit and spending a lot of time with the Lord and coming into this message today, um, just really aware of the signs and wonders. And I chose the title of the sermon months ago and this passage months ago. And there's one thing in particular that stood out to me over the past week. I'm not going to tell you everything. I've done my vacation for one thing. This is not the time and place for that. But there is one that ties into God's word today that I want to share with you. And that is that um, I was in one of my favorite places, which is a coffee shop. It doesn't matter which coffee shop it is. There is now, there are some coffee shops that are especially good that I would recommend to you after the service. But I love sitting in coffee shops. And it's rare that I have the chance just to sit in one and just be and just read.
read. And this was one of those moments I was waiting on my coffee drink to be made. And I decided I'm going to listen to some worship music. And um, since, uh, since it was released last November, I've been listening a lot to this album, uh, Live in the Prayer Room, by Jeremy Riddle. Jer Jeremy Riddle is a worship leader based in Anaheim, California. And um, this album, the thing that I love about this album, it, the songs on it are not about what God can do for us, but all the songs are about who Jesus is. It's all about he is the Lamb of God. He is the one who is worthy to be praised. He's the one who has been crowned for the ages as King of Kings. And I just love how listening to this album just gets me out of whatever is going on in the world and gets me focused on who Jesus is. So I'm waiting on my coffee drink, and I think I'm going to listen to the Jeremy Riddle album I was listening to in the car. So I get my little earbuds out, you know, the, the ones that are connected to your phone but not physically connected to your phone. So I put those in, and I start playing the song, and um, I can't hear it. So I turn the volume up, and I still can't hear it. And I turn the volume up some more, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, what is wrong with, with my phone? You know, that it is not, that I'm not hearing the song. Well, right about that time, every eye in the coffee shop started, all these heads started turning and looking at me, and all these people started looking at me, and I thought, okay, something's going on. So I took the earbud out, and blaring from my phone on the speaker. Y'all, that speaker on that iPhone is loud. Have you ever noticed that? Blaring from the speaker was Jeremy Riddle singing, Come bow before Christ Jesus the King. Not the kind of evangelism I was going for. Not the kind of evangelism that we usually opt for. I mean, th th the message is true. Come bow before Christ Jesus the King. But maybe there's a gentler way to do that. So I'm immediately turning it, turning the volume down and trying to get my earbuds connected and everything. And, uh, but by then, the, the atmosphere had changed in the room. The mood had changed because people started turning back around. But it's hard, isn't it, when you've been startled by something like that, when you've been surprised by something. It takes a few minutes for it to, to get things back to normal. And what happens, but in that moment, what I was thinking was, you know, my phone was blaring out. Come bow before Christ Jesus the King. Come bow before the true Prince of Peace. That was the next line. And I got to thinking, you know, how do our lives invite people to come bow before Jesus? Not blaring it from a phone, but how do our lives, our words, our actions, our presence to each other, are we living as individuals and as a church in a way that we are asking people, hey, come and bow before Jesus with me. Hey, Jesus changed my life. I have a story to tell. Come and see what he has done for me. You know, we often think of the church growing based on numbers and based on big sermons, big revivals, big moments uh, that take place at a pulpit like this. But friends, the truth of the matter is people coming and bowing before Jesus Christ the King, that and those signs and wonders that come along with it that we're going to be talking about today, those usually happen in the quieter places, in the unseen spaces, with us simply living our lives and sharing the good news by the way we love God and the ways in which we love one another. We say so often that they will know we are Christians by our love, but I believe we will stay Christians because of our joy and because of our peace. Yes, people will know we are Christians by our love and be drawn to who Jesus is by his love being demonstrated in us. But don't you want to stay in a place where there is peace 
and in a place where there is joy. The early church worked so hard on being a place of peace for people, a place where bowing before Christ Jesus the King was something that just came naturally. And in order to, for us to really grasp this and to see what we might glean from this to be a church today that has that same, that draws with the same love, but keeps us with the same peace and joy, we have to know a little bit about what was going on in this passage before verse 42, where we started today. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit has just arrived on the day of Pentecost, and everything has changed. And Peter, remember Simon Peter, the one that denied Jesus, the one who was the fisherman, who, um, who, knew, who knew that he was the Christ, but like us, he was a but like us, he was a broken human being who had made mistakes. Well, Peter is the one who gets up and preaches his first sermon, and three thousand people get converted at that first sermon that Peter preaches. We hear in verse forty-one that over three thousand people were added to the church that day, and it would be easy for us to look at that part of the story and say, "Wow, Peter's pretty awesome." He preached a great sermon and 3,000 people came. But y'all, unless there was like some miraculous sound system going on back in, in ancient Galilee when, the, when Peter preached that sermon, um, it wasn't that people all heard Peter preach it. They had to go. Peter was preaching it. Some could hear it. But then those who heard it went and told others. And then those who heard, heard it went and told others. Everything spread as people told the story. Yes, Peter was the one who declared the word and it went out, but all of those who were hearing took the word and ran with it and shared it and invited others to come into the faith. The three, it wasn't an immediate altar call, I don't believe, where 3,000 people just suddenly came forward. No, the word spread through the people. That is how the good news spreads today. That is how our love, our peace, and our joy as a church spreads. Not just because it starts here. Yes, it starts in the place of worship. It is founded in the word of God. It is rooted in our, it is rooted in our relationship with God. But it is up to you. It is up to all of us. I say you, the plural you, with me included in it. It's up to all of us to take that word and to run with it and to live lives and to be involved in our communities and in our world in a way that people can't help but say, man, what is going on at First United Methodist Church? What is happening that I, I want to be drawn into this? What is happening in this person's life that they are so close to Jesus? I want that same joy. I want that same peace. I want that same love that we go after it. And that is how the early church grew into something beyond anybody's wildest imaginations. Because the people, once they saw the light, they, we hear in verse 42, they began to devote themselves to the teaching and to fellowship, to holy communion and prayers together. Did you hear what they did? Did you hear what this not so, not so much business plan is here? They, they devoted themselves to the word of God, to fellowship with each other, to sharing in holy communion, and in praying together. That's in verse 42. And the thing that spurred them to do this was the message that Peter had preached and that spread. And we need to back up. If you have your Bible with you, you can back up and see in an, early, in an earlier verse, Peter concluded his sermon with this statement. This Jesus Christ whom you crucified. This Jesus Christ whom you crucified. And the very next verse tells us that the people, the literal translation is, the people were cut to the heart. When they realized and when they saw, when they, when they saw the, the wonder and the awe that 
they had been involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. It's our sin, all of our sin that sent Christ to the cross. All of us are the soldier holding the nail in our hand. We are all guilty of being sinners. And Jesus made a way for us to experience eternal life. He made a way for us to be healed. He made a way for us to be whole. He made a way for us to be reconciled to each other and to God. First to God and then to each other. Jesus did all of this. And it's in that spirit of conviction that the people realize, oh, look at what we have done. But Peter immediately says, it's okay. It's what you have to do. Let me tell you what you have to do, guys. You have been convicted. Repent. Turn from the way you've been living and receive the forgiveness of Jesus and then join in what God is doing. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Join with what the Holy Spirit is doing. But all of this starts with the people recognizing that they need to be forgiven and receiving that forgiveness and then extending that forgiveness to one another. And that is the foundation where we start today's passage in verse 42, where the people are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. In verse 44, we hear exactly what the early church looked like, and that's one reason I love this passage. And let me just say this, though. It is easy to read this passage and say, this was the perfect church. This was, they had it so together back then. Y'all, they didn't. No, we are human beings. We don't ever all have it. All together, do we? We we all are, we're, we've always got things we're struggling through. What Luke is doing in this account, though, he is saying, "Look, we Luke is acknowledging that they are human and that they're, but they did do some things right." And he's sharing with us all these years later. The Holy Spirit is sharing with us. Look at what the early church did right. Look at what their foundation was. Look at verse forty-five. They well, verse forty-four actually. All who believed were together. They held all things in common. They shared what mattered. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to those who had need. In other words, they distributed to those who were less fortunate than they. It was not just about gathering and praying and worshiping together. From that place of worship, they went forth and they took care of those in their communities, those in the world who were in need. That was part of it. And then 46, day by day, they were together in the temple. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. I love this verse because do you know the thing that made the Pharisees and the religious leaders so mad at Jesus when he was walking the earth? They would get so mad when he would eat with sinners. And then they would also get mad. People also got mad when Jesus would tell sinners that their sins were forgiven. And all of us these years later can look at that and say, we can look back now and see, if we can say that that was ridiculous, but at the time, Everybody was so caught up in their rut, in their routine of religion, that they couldn't see that the Son of God was eating at that table. Well, look at how the early church, one of the first priorities they made was sharing meals together. All sinners, for all of us are sinners in need of grace, and we are made saints by the one who meets us at that table time after time. So they share in this food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47, they praise God and have the goodwill of all of the people in mind. And as they're doing this, the Lord adds to their numbers those who are being saved. Friends, the church is a place that, yes, we gather, we gather for worship on Sunday. It's a place where we gather to eat together. It's a place where we talk with one another, where we gather in small groups. And, at the, and, and in the midst of all of that, God is also calling us to take a next step. God is always asking us to take a next step. And that next step for the body of Christ in this world today, not just our church, is indeed 
to go out and to live lives that are saying, come bow before Jesus with me. Come worship at his feet with me. Come be my brother. Come be my sister. And let us unite in what God has called us to do. And that is a huge task. And we need everyone who is a disciple of Jesus to be willing to do this. And, we, and here's the thing that happens as we do that. Verse 43. All comes upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done. It's easy for us as we wrap this up today. It's easy for us in this day and age to say that signs and wonders are a thing of the past. That miracles are something that just happened in the Bible. And it's because, and a lot of that I think is because we have this idea that miracles are only what we see happen where Jesus is healing people, where he is multiplying the loaves and the fishes, where he's walking on the sea, where he's casting out demons. All of these miracles, all these signs and wonders. But friends, the, God's miracles and signs and wonders are not limited to that, to, to, accept, to those. His miracles are numerous and so, so many. And there are so many that are around us all the time. Miracles are happening. Signs and wonders are around us all the time. We don't always see them until we stop and look up to Jesus, who is wanting to show us how he is revealing himself in this world. In the, in the 16 years that I've been in ministry, I have seen, I have seen miracles happen. And I, I hesitate to share any details of any of those because those were such sacred spaces and they took place in small settings. Not so much in a, nothing that I could see that happened in a big setting. But saw somebody healed, saw somebody delivered from uh, something that they had been holding on to for so long. And all of these happened. These times that this happened, it always came from a place of awe and of wonder of who Jesus is. That is the foundation. Awe and wonder in close communion with Jesus. And that required for us to experience those signs and wonders today. First of all, we've got to open our eyes and we'll see they're already there. Miracles are already happening all around us, but if we want to be a part of his miracle working power, we've got to, we have got to learn how to do exactly what the early church did, to gather in the spirit of awe, in the spirit of reverence, to be willing to be on the ground with each other, to wash one another's feet, to serve one another in love, to put away the division and the strife, to set aside the worldly things that do not serve us and to focus our attention on who Jesus is and what he did and to focus in on who Jesus is and what he is doing now. Because what Jesus is doing right now, I'm looking at all your faces. I get the best view in the house every Sunday. I get to look at all of your faces and I get to see you are a sign. You are a wonder. Wonderful God's works are Fearfully and wonderfully made you are. Will you choose today to be a part of God's miracle working power in this world? Come bow before Christ Jesus the King. Come kneel before the true Prince of Peace. You will receive peace. Joy is already within you. And if they will know we are Christians by our love, watch out world. Not just 3,000 converts but the whole world will come to know him as Lord. Let's be a part of that. Put aside what doesn't matter. Let's move into communion with the one true God who lives and reigns with the Son and the Holy Spirit, the blessed three in one, now and forever.